Welcome to the Working Tools Podcast, where today we'll be interviewing Right Worshipful Brother Robert Johnson. Ladies and gentlemen, brethren all, welcome to the Working Tools Podcast, a casual conversation around Freemasonry. First, it's important to note that our thoughts and opinions are our own and do not reflect those of our Grand Lodge or respective craft or concordant bodies. Please connect with us and ask questions via our website at theworkingtoolspodcast.com. Today on the Working Tools Podcast, we have three quarters of our usual crew of hosts. Uh, we have very worshipful brother David Colbeth and myself, very worshipful brother Matthew Apple, and we are Masons here in the great state of Washington, and worshipful brother Stephen Chung from up in uh, British Columbia with the Grand Lodge of British Columbia and Yukon. Unfortunately, our fourth host, uh, Trevor, was not feeling too well, so hopefully he will recover soon. But we also have with us our very special guest, uh, right worshipful brother Robert Johnson, who is a Mason in Illinois and is a uh, host of the, the Whence Came You podcast and one of the, the Masonic Roundtable guys and author and all sorts of cool stuff. And I, I knew I was going to do this. I'm going to start fanboying. So I will just say, welcome, Robert. It's good to see, good to have you here. It's fantastic to be here. I'm really excited. Uh, you know, doing these uh podcast and talking about masonry is is one of my you know i mean if, if it wasn't my favorite thing i'm doing the wrong thing <laughs> so, yeah, right i think we all love freemasonry and it's just a pleasure to to be able to get together and chat with some like-minded brothers here here absolutely so, uh, exactly one, one of the usual questions we ask guys who, who come on the podcast is just sort of how how did you come into masonry so how did how did you become a mason uh, the classic story, uh, which is the truth, is uh, I missed out. I was a total scaredy cat. Um, so I first was interested in Freemasonry because I had this Japanese friend of mine. His name is Yukitaro Hamada. And Yuki was the son of an architect, and he was an artist. And in his home, his dad was not always pleased with him because he was a free spirit. Uh, he wanted to be a businessman, you know. And uh, Yuki had all these books on art. And one day he loaned me this really cool book on tapestries. And uh, I don't know why I had a passing interest in this. Um, but he, one of the pictures in it was a relief, a tapestry that was a Masonic relief. Um, all of the brothers who are master masons listening to this would know it as kind of the, uh, the, the culmination, if you will, of that third degree is a scene that's on the, uh, on, on, the tapestry. And I said, what the heck is this? And so then I just started Googling uh, Freemasonry and uh, I didn't get real, a lot of wild um, conspiratorial stuff. I, I read about it. I had this kind of vision of what it would be. You ever read a book, right? And you, you develop all the characters and how everything goes. And then um, that's, that's what happened. So then I went down to uh, Orange Lodge in Orange, California, the Orange Circle and I read this uh, note that was on the door and it was like, you know, knock three times on the third Tuesday of the month. And I, it just sounded really weird. I hadn't really like encountered that kind of nomenclature before or, you know, verbiage on, on a door. And I was really weirded out. And I was like, all right, I'm out. This is too weird. Uh, and then about five years later, maybe six uh, my son was born and we were back here in Illinois. So before I was in California and uh, I just sent an email to the Grand Lodge of Illinois as an inquiry. 
And the next thing you know, I got a, uh, a call from the secretary of what would be my mother lodge, Waukegan 78. And they invited me out to a lunch. Um, they signed my petition. I went through the degrees and, and that's, that's how I got in. But my interest was that through Google, I, I kept hearing this thing like we're working on stuff. We're working on philosophy. We're working on this. We're working on that. And so, like I said, I had I built this whole story in my, my, my mind, like you would do in a book. But then when, uh, when I actually got to the lodge and I had been a member of the lodge for like the first year, I realized, okay, it's the characters are totally different than they are in the book in real life or in the movie. Right. So, uh, yeah, that, that's kind of how I, that is how I, I, I fell into Freemasonry. Uh, well, thankfully they actually responded to your inquiry. That's, uh, unfortunately a pervasive issue amongst lodges that don't respond to those. Yeah. Well, I, I think the grand lodge, you know, at that time it would have been 2007 and, what they had ended up doing was uh, I sent the inquiry out. They said, hey, somebody will be in touch with you. And about two weeks later, I got an email from a guy named, uh, you know, I'll just call him Brother Donahue. Brother Donahue said, hey, I'm the secretary over here and whatever, whatever. So it took about two weeks. I, I know today it's still even a really difficult program, even with the uh, wonderful campaign that the, the Scottish Rite um, joint venture and putting together Not Just a Man, or I think it's Not a Man, Not Just a Man. I can't remember the name of the website, I, but it's a great site. Um, I just haven't committed it. Um, but that site is great because they have this contact form where anybody can, can just, you know, hey, I, I am interested. And then they put them in contact with the right state. And then the state puts it down to the secretary. It's a really great chain of command. It brings it down. But if, if you listen to the uh, conf North, uh, North American uh, Conference of Grand Masters, it seemed like there were still a number, and they, they were really brotherly about it, but there was still a great number of, of Grand Lodges who, um, to be nice, um, have a lot of room to improve in terms of their response rate. Is that the be a Freemason.org website? That is. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Not just a man of Mason. That, yeah. That's, that's an amazing program. Yeah. I think it's doing a lot of good for us. I mean, I know there are people out there that, that aren't real big fans of advertising or whatever. And uh, a good friend of mine, Mark St. Cyr, um, he is a world-class business writer and he had said something not too long ago and he just put it in a recent post from midnight freemasons and you know it's a longer blog post so if you get through it awesome if you don't uh, i think the key takeaway is uh, you know when we're out in the community community what do you want them to know about us it's not that just we made oh they made these things that we bought right like the thing that you want them to remember is how cool we were and like the mystique and the the lessons and how awesome we were as people. I want to be like that. Um, and so we, like he was just saying, we kind of like missed the mark or whatever. And I think that's, that's kind of what be a, be a, uh, not just a Mason is, is 
that campaign kind of portrays is this idea is, no, we're not just the people that's selling, uh, you know, green beans at the local fair. We're not the people that just, you know, do child identification for you at, at fairs and, and, and all that things. Pancake um, breakfast. Exactly. Yeah. We're not just doing that stuff. You know, we are the people in your communities who are maybe community leaders or people who are active, you know, at the, um, you know, the PTO, you know, we ask, Hey, the PTO local school district, Hey, these seven lodges that reside in the school district right here, these two lodges in the school district, we're really interested in, uh, we see that you have a shortage of cash flow for the liberal arts programs in your school. How can we help with that? You know, we would love to donate some money and help you out with art supplies or do whatever. Like those are the kinds of things I, uh, I think are important that I, I think we kind of missed the mark on sometimes. Um, it reminds me, we, we were in a, our lodge celebrates in a veterans day parade every year. And we were walking in the parade several years ago. And my brother exclaimed afterwards, he said, why don't you all wear your, why, why do you wear your suits and stuff? Why don't you wear your company t-shirts or company shirts or, you know, uniforms or whatever? I said, well, that'd be kind of weird. And he goes, well, no, I think it'd be good because then you could see the police officer and the fireman and the ambulance guy and the, the, you know, I worked for a real estate office at the time. So you could see all these different people from different walks of life and what they do and who they are and not just these guys in suits. Man, wouldn't that be cool to see a graphic? Maybe like somebody put together like a short film snip, right? Like where, where guys are just getting dressed every day. And then all like at the same time, like, like, okay, they're getting dressed overalls or you get a guy putting on like slicks or you get a, you get a putting on work boots, another guy fixing his tie or a tuxedo or a judge putting on his collar or something. Right. And then it like fades to black and then it comes back and you all just see them like tying the knot on the apron. It's like, that would be really cool. If anybody does that, who listens to this, you should do that. <laughs> <laughs> there are some stuff out there and our, our membership committee tried to do something like that a couple of years ago. We did some cool stuff and, uh, but yeah, that would, that is a, I can, as you talked about creating that video or creating that book in your mind, I was totally seeing what you're talking about. Yeah. yeah Northern uh, jurisdiction. Would, would get totally, on. I was totally envisioning that marketing piece coming together. Yeah, no, that, that, I mean, yeah, beautiful. I, I was, I was putting that whole vision together as you, as you said that and it was like, yeah. And then they're all standing there in their tuxedos and, and, uh, and their aprons, right? Like <clears throat> now tell them apart. So you, Robert, you alluded to the idea of advertising and I wanted to, if you don't mind, maybe go down this rabbit hole a little bit. Sure. I, I'm a kind of a firm believer. I'm not, I don't evangelize that idea so much, although Matt would say I evangelize a lot of ideas, but, <laughs> but the idea of, I, th I think we do need to toot our own horn to some extent. And I really appreciate your perspective on it, toot our own horn about the good things we do and kind of who we are as character people and not so much that works themselves. But in my mind, I think we could do we could talk a little more openly about masonry. I, I've sat at the table with some guys that are in, you know, now I say in their late age, but I'm already in my late age uh, in, you know, they're, they're in their later years and they're just new masons. And I, I say, gosh, well, why, why didn't you join younger? And they said, well, my dad and uncle would go off to on Thursday nights, they would put out, take off their overalls and they get on their suits and they went off to this meeting. And I didn't know what it was about, until 25 years later when he was in his thirties or forties and he finally asked, and it's the old adage, well, it's about time. And 
why, why can't we, or why don't we ask more other than the unwritten rule? And sometimes in code or constitutions, it is written that you can't do it, I suppose. But to me, there's at the very last moment, you're standing at the doorway in your first degree and you take that action and they ask you the question, as long as the answer to that question is truthful, my own free will and accord, why, why, why can't we do more? Because if we, if you're asked, then he is being uh, encouraged by a thought of someone else's, not on his own free will and accord. Right? As long as you're not being bribed, though, I could see if you were saying, "Oh, Steve, I'm not going to give you this contract if you don't become a mason." Yeah, I would totally agree with that. But if it's just if I said, "Steve, you're a really good guy. I've known you for a while, or I've seen your works, or whatever," and you should, you should, and I know they say, well, that you can say that. Why don't you become a Mason? But why don't we do that even more? I mean, what, what's, what's the wrong side of doing that as long as it is truthful and they are ultimately of their own free one accord? It's really like, it's kind of a subjective question, right? Because I think the verbiage for me and what I give to people as a secretary is, do you seriously declare that uninfluenced by friends or mercenary motives, you freely and offer yourself up for the mysteries of Freemasonry? And so what is uninfluenced, right? Like, am I influenced by my friends to do this? Or is it like a real calling? I can honestly say that nobody in my entire family at the time that I knew this was a Mason. And still today, the only guy I know who was like my great, great granddad, Gilbert Lafayette Johnson, which I found out much later. Um, but there, there is, that is a huge debate. And I think some of the words written by, um, there's, there's a great book. Um, if you can find it, awesome. It's called The Master's Lectures. Um, it was a short publication put out um, by Evans Lodge in Illinois. It went national and even global. People love the book, but it's like a month by month thing, uh, themes for Freemasonry, uh, you know, January to December. Um, and one of the chapters is on membership or maybe it's fellowship. And it says something like, you know, troping through our West gates are men whose, where education has lit no fire in their eyes or uh, it also says that can we truly, you know, all these guys that are coming through the West gate are joining because their friend is a member of the lodge and they wanted them to join. Hey, I want to spend more time with you join the lodge or their, you know, family members and whatnot. And they're really rallying against this idea. But, you know, if my son, if I ask my son to join the Masons, Maybe that's wrong. But if I say, hey, you know, I used to do this thing. I mean, I do this thing every Thursday, every Friday, whatever it is. Maybe, would you ever consider doing that? Do you have any curiosity about it? Right. Um, or, or develop that potential interest or at least offer the, the yeah. here's a book have to you, read. Or what, here's, yeah. have you well, you, 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 can, you, you can approach it completely Machiavellian and, and, and come along with some just pointed statements of, you know, I go and I do this thing, you know, and, you know, maybe one day you can be doing that with us, right? Um, or without directly saying that, you know, we want you to join or you should come and check this out. Um, 
maybe talk about how much fun you're having or the, you know, that type of thing, a positive aspect of it instead. But I, 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 this debate goes on for, you know, like you said, it's an age old debate and there's lots of guys who think we should be advertising. And I think advertising might be the wrong word, maybe more marketing or branding or, or something like that. Just to, um, let remind people we're still here and that we're uh, in their neighborhoods, in their towns and, and uh, you know, that we are available. Right. So I think that's um, true. I think if my son maybe, okay. So my oldest son is 14, but like when he's 20 and maybe he sees my lodge do something that he's just like, that's crazy cool. Um, how can I be a part of that? Well, you know, maybe there's there's a way to say through our works, our good deeds and works, right? But then that falls back to what uh, Worship Brother Stephen is saying that 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 maybe it's a branding thing. It is interesting. Well, you know, like I've got a thirty year old stepson and an and an eighteen year old stepson, and they both know that I'm a Mason. I'm very active. They, they're, they're, there's no secret in my house. <laughs> and uh, actually, they both know that their uh, grandfather and their uh, step-grandfather and their great-grandfather were also Masons because I've since received um, their aprons and things like that, uh, their jewels and whatnot passed down after they've passed on. And um, I still have heard no interest in, and I mean, I keep putting it out there, you know, the different things, right? And uh, and I try to come up with all these different thought-provoking statements or questions that I can. And, I, you know, Justin's never asked, you know, 30 years old, you know, is he going to ask? Who knows? But I can't bring myself to ask him. Right. And then so it's like, OK, am I going to are they going to end up being the the example that David gave, you know, 30 years down the road, um, they finally ask and then they really see what they've been missing out on and how much fun we could have been having together in between. Right. So I have most people or I like most I'm really tempted to want to ask them because I think that there's some really great experiences that they can have and learn from and so on. But it goes against the rules. Yeah. I think too, that that's what the six steps process is for. Right. And then potentially the investigation process and the development of that. I, I you know, when we implemented the six steps in Washington and we stole from the great North uh, that we, I people were so nervous about the process and it was going to slow things down. I said, well, it could take six days, six weeks, six months. It's up to the guy and up to the lodge. It's, there's not a timetable attached to this. It's just a process to work through so everybody can understand each other and how, what it's about. And I think that would be a great opportunity to say, hey, let's, let's get you started on the six steps and just see, let, let you work through the process. Come to some social events, come to some things, meet some guys, learn, read some things about it, learn about it. And if, if the guy isn't, if it's not right for him at the end of that six steps, then 
then he's filtered himself out. I think, you know, I, we had a guy was coming to our six steps and coming to our social events month after month after month and great guy. And we were just kind of hanging out one night and I finally said, Hey, has anybody asked you about the next step officially? And he goes, no, actually. I said, okay, well, it's really great that you're coming and you seem like a great guy. So next time let's, let's get together. We'll go over the 12 questions and just, you know, they're designed to me answered. Yes. I mean, they're pretty simple. It's not a 12 step. It's a 12 question program. And so we want you to, to learn more and make sure. And he got to the one about being his lifelong commitment to masonry. And he didn't understand specifically uh, I said, you know, this is a lifelong commitment. And, and he said, Oh, he said, I don't know about that yet. I said, Oh, okay. Well, no problem. I said, you know, either you need some more information or we need to give you some more information or help you along that path, whatever. And, you know, let's keep, let's keep getting together and talk about it. And he stopped coming, which you know, that's kind of what the system's designed to do. It's not really designed to keep them away. It's designed to pull it, but to pull them in, I think. And if it's not right though, it does do its purpose service purpose. Absolutely. Um, I, I think to, to an extent, right, the investigation committee sometimes, and, and everything kind of involved in the process of joining, um, really shouldn't be to acclimate somebody to this life-changing thing that they're going to become a part of. Um, in, in many respects, it should be viewed equally as a process to filter people out. And, and there's nothing wrong with masonry not being for somebody, right? I mean, I have great friends who, mentees at work all know I'm, I'm a Freemason and they know that I'm committed and all these things. And when, I, when they ask about it, I tell them. And when we get to certain questions like the one you said, right? Like it's a lifelong commitment because I can't unring that bell. I need you to tell me you're going to live like a Mason for the rest of your life, right? Um, which doesn't sound so terrible when I say it out loud because all we're doing is good stuff. I just, just, hey, is it right? Then, you know, is it wrong? Don't do those things. <laughs> you, know? <laughs> um, you know, whatever the social contract is. But it's just interesting to note that I think it's, it's okay to say these questions sometimes filter people out and, and that's, that's an okay process. Um, it, it isn't like, uh, what is it? It doesn't make you, uh, one of my favorite things on that, not just a man was, was, uh, as a title slide that says being a Mason doesn't make you better than anybody else or something like that, but somebody like changed it so that it said, Oh wait, yes, it does. <laughs> it was terrible, but I laughed at it because I think people automatically think that, you know, if you don't make it through the Westgate, you're somehow, you know, not as good a person. It just means that this is not your gig, man. That's all. And right. And of course, you know, that this old age old debate has now gone, segued and um uh, i'd like to kind of bring it back because i know we get limited time on our podcast um so if i may what got robert johnson started to do a podcast from getting into masonry and not just you know one but now he's involved in multiple 
Great question. Um, <clears throat> the only reason I started doing a podcast was uh, my uncle, uh, not a Mason, but is always the forefront technology nerd, uh, loves technology. And one day he he got me into photography when I was like 18 years old and I still am an avid photographer. And, and one day he bought a podcasting microphone, like a Yeti or something. And I said, what are you going to do with that? He said, I don't know. And I was a copycat. I was like, all right, well, I'll do it with you. Let's figure this stuff out. Right. So I bought a podcasting kit for a hundred dollars, which you can still get. I think it's like 130 now, but, uh, through it's a Behringer podcast kit on Amazon. And I bought that. And I said, what am I going to do? And after I had joined Freemasonry, there was really no education. Again, remember I said that when I joined, I had read the book on Freemasonry. And when I got to the movie of Freemasonry, the characters were different. The, 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 whole, the whole scheme was different. than I was like, I don't like this movie. <laughs> I like the book better. Um, I said, how do I get the education that I'm looking for? And so I started searching for educational resources. Of course, I came across things like Midnight Freemasons and Chris Hodap's blog and all of these things. But one thing that was just so amazing, and I cannot tell you guys how cool it was and the indebtedness that I have to this guy. And we've only conversed a few times. I don't know if he knows what a big deal he is to me, but our brother Scott Blaskin, who's a Canadian brother, he did something called the Digital Freemason, which was a podcast. And it was like, I loved it because it always started off with this quote from Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas, uh, Hunter S. Thompson, right? Um, and then he went in as a Welton Digital Freemason. I'm Scott Blaskin, yada, yada, yada. Short research paper. So dude was reading just short things. These podcasts were no, never more than 15 minutes. And if he messed up on a word, he just kept reading. It was like, whatever. He just said it again. Like it was just conversational and read the paper. Hey, see you next week. And he had done a ton of episodes and they're still out there. Um, and I loved it. And so I said, well, I would love to do this too, but I would read like longer Masonic papers. And um, I would probably just you know, read longer papers and try to supplement more because there's only one out there that was consistent and it was Scott's. So I emailed him. Um, I can't remember if I got a response right away. Um, and then a few months later, he called it quits. Like he wrote a little handwritten note. Thanks, you know, Scott or whatever, and put it out on the web. And I was so bummed out. And then I was like, well, I can't really do this. I put out one episode. I was going to do just one and see how it went. And then that one episode got like 2000 downloads in two weeks. And I was like, holy cow. Um, and that was back in July of 2010. And I just started reading the papers that I wanted to read and talk about in the lodge. Um, and I was learning along the way. I was like, well, if I'm going to read these, maybe somebody else doesn't like to read. Cause I used to be like, I hated reading. Like as a kid, I could not do it. I didn't get into reading until I was like 14. Um, and so then I, then I wasn't doing an episode. Like I was doing it once a month. And then all of a sudden it was like, okay, I'll do it weekly. And if I missed an episode, I'd get an email. What happened to the show? Oh my gosh. Um, and then what changed it all was actually, I got this email from this trucker. Uh, he's a brother who's on the road all the time. He's like, dude, been a Mason for 22 years. Haven't been to lodge in 16 years because I'm on the road, you know, busting his butt. 
you know, to put food on the table and make these runs across the country, delivering food or whatever he was doing. And he said that listening to the podcast every week was like a replacement for lodge. And it made him feel like he was back in the lodge or something. And I'm reading this thing and I'm just like, Oh my God. And my wife's like, well, if you didn't have a reason to do it before, you know, you're reading this anyway, just record it. I was like, okay. And so I got better at recording and editing, right? Because as you guys probably know, if you decide to edit your podcast at all, that's a big decision you make before you start podcasting. Am I going to edit or just let it roll? And um, WCY, I edit. So for every um, 45 minutes of audio is probably an hour and a half of editing. So if I read it for 45 minutes, plus an hour and a half of editing, plus artwork production, you know, you guys know, I mean, it's crazy. So um, that's, it's a labor of love as you guys are aware. And, and that's why I started it was just to get education that I wasn't getting. And um, then it evolved into, okay, I'm getting this education for myself. And apparently there's a lot of people who also feel like they're not getting education and they're supplementing their Masonic experience with this podcast. And like, that was like a big weight. And now there's so many great Masonic podcasts out there. This one included, I feel like finally there's content for the new generation of Masons. I don't mean like new generations of dudes or ladies or whatever. I mean, like, the fresh Masons who come into the fraternity and are looking for more education opportunity, uh, want to know more about any topic. I mean, the knocks or lodge protocol, or what do I do if I'm late or all of these things, because no lodge really hits all the marks. We just don't, we can't, we're not perfect. Um, and so I think all of these podcasts are just uh, supplementing the Masonic experience in the 21st uh, century. And it's awesome. Well, before Matt wraps us, I, I would I was one of those original two thousand downloads. I think. Awesome! Thank you, thank you. Yeah. You only had three hundred episodes available, and like the first hundred episodes had, had dropped out. And Matt, you're, we're, 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 Matt, we lost your audio. Can you hear us? Your audio is gone. Uh oh. Does that mean I'm gonna have to wrap? <laughs> your your audio is just uh, low. Yes, if it's unplugged or your gains down, maybe. Am I back? Hello? Yeah. Can you hear me now? No. Well, <laughs> our, our own fanboy can't uh, can't wrap the show today, so I'm going to have to step in and <laughs> see, see if I could do a good job. Well, Robert, thank you so much for coming out tonight, and uh, hopefully you're able to stick around and we can uh, record another segment here and get you up on the I would. Uh, we'll have to think of something thought-provoking to really dive in. But uh, on behalf of Matt and my Stephen and myself, I really appreciate you coming out tonight. Thank you.